then last week, we heard the good news about being dead. You didn't realize being dead was so exciting, did you? How good, good news it was that, to find out that we died. The Gospel proclaims that we died. We died in Christ Jesus. On the cross, in that union. See, not only does God have a wonderful future for us, not only does God have a wonderful present for us, but God wants you to know about your wonderful past. A lot of people don't like their past. They don't want to tell people about their past. They want to hide their past. But guess what? God says you've got a beautiful past because your past died at the cross. In that union, you're not only in union with Him now in the Spirit, but you're also in union through the cross. He died your death. That all those things that you feel shameful and guilty and condemnation and, and rotten and the devil just beat you over the head, beat you over the head and how unworthy you are. All of that died. All of that died. All of that was taken to hell and left there by Jesus. Right? And we died in Christ. But not only did we die in Christ, we became New in Christ. The gospel proclaims that we are new. We are new. And on April, April 4th, 1998, I became something I had never been before. Because on that day, I was single no more. I was a single man, but on April 4th, 1998, I was single no more. The old had gone and the new had come. I was a married man. A very unexperienced and ignorant married man. A man that had much to, to, to learn about his new identity. Is that true? Is that true? That, think about that. Some, some of the rockiest parts of marriage is in the first five years. Why? Because it's two becoming one. It's two learning. We both were single. We were both doing our own thing. We were both self-centered. But now all of a sudden, we have this new identity. And we had to understand this new thing. And we needed to learn to live in union. And we needed to learn to live together. Some of you still haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> but marriage, marriage gives us this awesome natural picture of a spiritual truth of our union with Christ. When our spirits are joined to Christ, we literally become a new person. The old went and the new came. Very familiar scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ today? He is a new creation. Not he will become a new creation. You are right now. As soon as you step into Christ, you become a new creation. It says, old things have passed away. Old things have passed away. 
It, it's so interesting how many Christians walk around talking about their old self. The old Chad or the old Tom or the old Fritz. We talk about our old self. You know what you're literally doing? You're carrying a corpse around with you. That gets heavy. You're all, and you kind of stink when you do that. You do. You're carrying this corpse, and what we do is, through religion, we put a little lipstick on it, some, some rouge, fix its hair, put its best suit on. You know, we try to fix it up as best as we can. But it's dead. There ain't no fixing it. We, we were dead in Adam. There, there was no fixing you. There was no fixing me. We had to die. The Bible literally says the old man was circumcised. It was cut off from us. Why? So that we could be made new. So that we can be born again. See, those that are in Christ die once. But they're born twice. We died. We were born naturally in Adam. We died in Christ. And we were born again in Jesus our Lord. In God. Right? But those that are not in Christ are born once, but they die twice. They're born in Adam. They're loved. They're forgiven. God, God desires for none to perish, but to all, all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's wooing them. But because of our hard-heartedness, our pride, our arrogance, our I am my own God, we, I am my own Savior, we, 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 we reject the good news of, of the Gospel, and we reject our Heavenly Father. And not only are we dead in Adam, but we experience the second death. And that is not the will of God for you. That is not God's will for you. When we come into our union with Christ, when our spirits come into union with Christ, we become completely different people. The problem is, is that most Christians don't know this. Or they know it from, on Sunday morning, I see the Scripture, Chad, I agree with the Scripture because, I, because I'm told I'm supposed to agree with it. But they don't know it. They haven't embraced it. They, they, it's not part of who they are. And, 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 and they think that, that the old is still going. They think that their old life is still going, and they think that the new is still coming. So they're, they're constantly told that, that you need to die to self. You need to crucify yourself. You need to do... You can't do it. If you could do it, guess what? The law would have worked. You can't do it. That's good news that we can't do it. But God, but God, see, we died in Christ. It's already gone. The old is already gone. 
and the new has already come. We are new creations now in Christ Jesus. See, most Christians are living their lives somewhere between Egypt and the Promised Land. They have been set free from the kingdom of darkness. They have been set free from the bondage of sin. They've been set free from the slave master, the devil, and the world. They've been set free, but they haven't entered into the abundance of, of Christ. They're still wandering somewhere in the wilderness. They are working to become who they already are, and by doing so, miss out on this abundant life that Jesus Christ is coming to offer. You know, if, if, you, if you had someone come and pay off your mortgage, your home, but you did not believe that they paid it off, you didn't believe that they would be that good, that kind to do that, and, and you just continued to work day in and day out, send in your mortgage check to the bank, you just continue working, 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 working. Life wouldn't be nearly as enjoyable as if you knew and trusted and believed that your debts were paid. That you don't owe anything. And when, when, when you're, you know that that debt's been paid, you're living lighter. You're living freer. You're, you're, you're li living in this abundance that has been provided for you by someone else. And that's exactly what, what true Christianity is. It's not living under the burden of our old life. It's not living under the burden of sin. It's not living under the burden of religion. It's living light and free in the abundance of Christ Jesus. See, instead of resting in the promised land of Jesus' finished work, they're wandering in the wilderness of works based religion. You can tell if someone is a, uh, in the promised land or the wilderness by their motives. This is, this is how you can tell where people are. If people are resting in the finished work of Christ or if they're trying to get into Christ's likeness, get into the abundant life, to earn God's approval. But just simply by their motives. I mean, what's the reason that we come to church? What's the reason we read our Bible? What's the reason that we pray? What's the reason that we do these things? Do we do these things to become a better person? Trying to become something that, that we're not? Trying to become something that is pleasing to God? Are we trying to earn God's grace? Are we trying to, to qualify for God's promises? A lot of people say, well, I don't do that. Well, I hear it all the time. I don't, under I don't understand, Chad, why this happened to me. I go to church. I read my Bible. I got my devotional time. I'm, I'm a decent person. I'm a good person. What difference does it make how good you are? God's promises do not find their yes and amen in your goodness. God's promises find their yes and amen in Christ Jesus. See, we, we agree this. We, we, we mentally assent to these truths, but 
when it comes to the nitty-gritty, to when it comes to everyday life, to when, it, when tragedy or, or something happens in our life, do you go back to motive-based? I got to do, I got to do to get God to move. I got to get God to move. Like you can get God to move. Religion is so ignorant. Religion is so ignorant. To think that something that you do can get God to, to move on your behalf. See, the Gospel proclaims that He's already moved. 2,000 years ago, in Christ Jesus, God moved. And all, like we just quoted, all the promises of God, our complete inheritance is found in Christ. They find their, their yes, that's God's yes approval, and we add our amen, so be it, to us. God's moved. And now we live in His movement. Right? There's nothing, but there's nothing wrong with wanting to become the best person you can. Right? But actually, in, actually in natural marriage, if a husband and wife both are working to become the best spouse they can be for one another, the entire marriage, the family, the community, a nation, reap the benefits from that. Right? There's nothing wrong with wanting to become better than you were to walk deeper into the reality of who you are in Christ Jesus today than you did yesterday. But it's not, you're not attaining nothing. It's kind of like Christmas. You're just opening another present and finding out what's already yours in Christ Jesus. It's just layers of onion. You just keep peeling it back. Keep peeling it back and it just gets stronger and stronger the more you get to the core. Right? You have to understand that in Christ, you are already as good and pleasing to God as you will ever be. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe the, do you believe the Gospel? That in Christ Jesus, you are as pleasing and as good as you will ever be. Because He sees you in Christ. He sees you in the new creation. He's a faithful God that has faith and He believes that in Christ, that Christ's finished work finished the job. That He did it. We are not on a journey to newness. We are already new. This is good news. So here are two questions that you need to ask yourself. The first one is, God bless you, is what did Jesus come to give us? What did Jesus come to give us? He came to give us a new life. He came to give us a new life. So the second question is this. Where is this life found? If He came to give us a new life, where is it found? This new, this new life is only found and only experienced in our union with Jesus. Right? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says, i got to speed up. And this is the testimony. Here's a testimony. Here's a good testimony for, for you. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
That's a great testimony. Do you have the Son? Do you have the Son this morning? Then you have His life. When a person comes into Christ, they automatically receive a new life. This is a mystical union, not a religious journey. It's like Lazarus raising from the dead. The moment, one moment, you're dead in your trespasses and sin, the next you are alive in Christ. Church, can you hear Jesus standing at the tomb of your old man saying, Come forth! Come forth! Leave the grave! Leave that dead man behind into the newness of life that is in me. The old is gone. The new has come. It's time to start living. In 1 Peter 1.23 it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, speaking of Adam, but of incorruptible seed through the Word of God. Who's, who is the, this is the Word, but who is the Word? Jesus, which lives and abides forever. When you were engrafted into Christ, you know what engrafted means? It's, it's when they take one tree, they cut a, cut a, a, a branch off it, they take it to another tree, carve a little spot into it, stick it in, tape it around there, and it, it actually becomes one with the other tree. And it becomes a new creation. A new creation. When you are engrafted into Jesus, into Christ, His life began flowing through you. His life is flowing through your spirit. You are regenerated by the living and imperishable Word of God, you become instantaneously and forever a different person. You are no longer who you used to be. You might be living a lie, thinking that you are the person you used to be, but in Christ Jesus, the reality is, you're not. It says that when He returns, when Christ returns, we will be transformed into Lincoln and I, because we will see Him. And we will... We will see Him and we will instantly be transformed. Why? Because that's who we are. Some of us are going to have less transformation than others. Because you, you, you are walking deeper and deeper into the reality of who you are in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. You know that word new? It literally means a new, new in kind. You're new in kind. It's a, it, it's, it's kind of like a extreme home makeover. You ever see those make, makeover shows where they go over and they put some new paint on the wall, put some flooring down, some new cabinets or something like that? That seems pretty good, right? That's what religion gives you. But you still have the uh, termites in, in, in the foundation. You still have water coming in the basement. Yep. God, the gospel proclaims that we have experienced the extreme home makeover. And if you guys remember what that show was all about, they called it a makeover show. It was not a makeover show. They destroyed the old. The whole house went. There was nothing left. And they built an entire new home. 
That's what happened to you in Christ Jesus. The old went and you have become a new kind, a new creation in Christ Jesus. So are you in Christ? Are you in Christ today? If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Most people don't believe that. Most people believe that they're still the old creation in Adam. The Bible says you are a new, you're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, whether you believe it or not. Thank God when we're unfaithful, He remains faithful. Amen? Mm. You have not been improved, you have not been modified, but you have been wholly recreated. You, you were remade. Don't ever refer to yourself as a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You were saved by grace. Now you are a sinner no more. You are a new kind of person. The Bible calls you a saint. You are a saint. How many of you refer to yourself that way? How many of you have enough guts to say about yourself what God says about you? I'm Saint Chad. That sounds pretty good. You are a saint. If you are in Christ, you are a saint. That's your identity. See, this is where the good news of grace parts ways with religion. Because religion tells us that we're just works in progress. As if there is some kind of middle ground between saint and sinner. Between being lost and found. There's some middle ground between being alive and dead. This isn't the walking dead. In Christ, that we're either in Christ or there's some middle ground between being in Christ and out of Christ. Don't be an in-betweener. We're not in-betweeners. Do not be a wilderness Christian who refuses to enter into the promised land. Stop supporting the philosophies of men that say things like, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. Is that what the Scripture says about you? Statements like, like this, they appeal to our flesh. And they might even appeal to our experience. But it's an insult to the one by whose sacrifice we have been made perfect forever. But I'm a mess. I'm a mess, Chad. I have so much work. I have plenty of faults. It's true that on your own, on your own, you are not even close to perfection. You are far from perfect. But, the, but you are not on your own, are you? You are not on your own. You have been united with Christ and there is no unholy branches in a holy vine. You have... <laughs> Light and darkness cannot coexist. Perfection and imperfection cannot coexist. 
Think about that. You cannot have the perfect one be engrafted into the perfect one and have imperfection. You have been made perfect in Christ Jesus. Believe it. Believe the gospel. Believe the good news. In order for Christ to have any union with any of us, He had to make us something that we were not. He had to make us new. And He did. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Do you know that one of the greatest evidences that the old man is gone and the new man has come is Holy Spirit? It's Holy Spirit. Before Christ, in our former days, we were separated from God. We were strangers to His love. Sure, God loved us, but we didn't know His love. We weren't experiencing His love. That's another thing you've got to understand. God doesn't just want you to mentally assent to His love. Oh yeah, God loves me. God loves everyone. No, He wants you to actually feel His tangible love. He wants you to experience His love. God poured His love into our hearts by Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit did this. So do you love God? If you love God, thank Holy Spirit who made you new. Right? There was a time when we, we were indifferent with God. Some of us maybe even hated God. Maybe some of us didn't even believe in the love of God. But if you are experiencing the love of God today and he's pour, the love of God has been poured into your hearts, Thank Holy Spirit because He's made you new. Something's changed in you. In Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When's the last time you cried out, Abba, Father? What's the word Abba mean? Daddy. That's how God wants you to know Him. Maybe your earthly father was no good. Maybe you did not know your earthly father. But you have a heavenly father that is so good and loves you so much and He longs of all the names you could call God. Elohim. El Shaddai. All, all these, Lord God Almighty. Right? All these names you could call God. There's only one Name that Holy Spirit is compelling you to call Him. And that's Abba, Daddy. There is no... If you're a father, you know that there's no name above the name Daddy. Miss those days. I'm just Dad. Unless they want something. Listen, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. The desire that's in your heart to know God more, to be closer to God, that's a miracle. That didn't come from you. We, we, can't, take that, we can't take this for granted. 
See, we, we used to dismiss, dismiss the things of God as foolishness or, or, or not profitable. The Bible used to make no sense to us. But now, it brings joy. And it's a source of, our edif- of edification. Right? And it's a source of life and empowerment. Again, thank Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one that gives us revelations. He's the one that makes the lights go on. By Him, the simple are made wise. At one time, we had no special opinion about Jesus. But now He is our greatest love and the shepherd of our souls. That's a new thing. That's a new thing that God put in you. Before we were saved, we didn't really care about what other people thought about Jesus. Right? But now, our heart's desire is that none should perish and that all would come and know this wonderful good news of Jesus Christ and experience the abundance and the fullness and the peace and the joy of our Savior. To know God as Abba. That's a new thing. These are all new things. Do you see how much you've changed? In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Holy Spirit. When Holy Spirit came into your life, the change was like night and day. There was an instantaneous heart transplant. You have new appetites. You have new desires. Your new heart beats with the passions, new passions, and and, and they are the passions of Holy Spirit. This is why John could write things like this. 1 John 3.6 Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen Him or known Him. If you do not understand that you were made new. Scriptures like this will mess you up. They'll mess you up. See, John understood that there is no comparison comparisons between the life of Adam and the new life that we now have in Christ. Sinning is a characteristic of Adam's nature. Not the nature of Christ. And what does the word sin mean? To miss the mark. To miss the mark of everything that of God's holy, of everything that God is, everything God intended us to be, everything that God desires for us. It's to miss the mark. For the believer, sinning is not part is it, for a believer, the sinning is part of an old reality that died with Christ on the cross. It does not describe our new reality in union with Christ. So am I saying that you don't ever have to sin again? No. John did. John said that. But how about this? How about this? How about we trade our flawed and false reality of our old life for a better and truer one in Christ Jesus? So what was John talking about here? 
when he says that no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. There are two ways that we can interpret the Scripture. The first one, way number one, is a religious way. It's the religion of stick and carrot. Do good, get good. Do bad, get beat. It's where we interpret this as a threat. If you want to remain in Him and stay saved, you better stop sinning. Is that good news? <laughs> then there's way number two, where you see it not as a threat, but you see it as a promise. You see it as a promise. John says we, that he abides, he dwells, he stays. The moment you acknowledge Jesus as Lord, uh, literally, the saving Son of God moves into your life and He will never leave. When we're abiding, when we are dwelling, when, when we are living within Christ, this is the promise. You will not sin. John is describing a new reality of a life that we have in Christ. Jesus didn't sin, and Jesus never will sin. If you let His life live through you, then without any conscious effort, there's no effort in it. If you're trying to be a better person, trying to be a good person, you're not abiding. You're striving. Without any conscious effort on your own part, you're going to start talking and walking just like sinless Jesus. See, just like in marriage, the longer you live in intimate union with someone, the more you will resemble the one you are in union with. The closer you are in union, the more, admit it, you start looking the same. You even start looking the same. Some people aren't in more union with their dogs, their pets. But <laughs> Have you ever seen those pictures? I'm getting all that. <laughs> but this is why this is why John said this in, in chapter four. Who first John chapter four verse fifteen. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So will our behavior attain a level of sinless perfection this side of eternity? Not sure. All I know is that living in fellowship with a, the sinless Son produces desires in us that are in, informed by His righteous nature. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are not a sinner. Believe the good news. This is how John explains it. 1 John 3.9 Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin 
because he has been born of God. See, being a Christian is not about your behavior. Being a Christian is not about your behavior. It's about your pedigree. It's about your pedigree. Look at this. Look at these, these words. Whoever has been born of God, his seed, born of God. There's nothing about you doing in any of that. There's nothing there in any of that. John is saying that although Adam bred sinners, God does not. Look at, how, look at how the Message Bible paraphrases this. People conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. How could they? God's seed is deep within them, making them who they are. It's not in the nature of, God, of the God-born to practice and parade sin. It's not in your nature. It's not who you are. You're a new creation, a new people, something, a new kind. Origin determines destination. Our old lives followed the faithless footsteps of our father Adam. But we have died at the cross and born a new creation in Christ Jesus. We have become partakers of his divine nature. Sinning makes you miserable. Why? Why, did, why? why does it make you miserable? Even people that aren't Christians, they, they, it's inside, they know, they know better. But for Christians, it's really miserable. Because we have this new heart. Our heart of stone, our calloused heart, has been removed. And we've been given a, a heart of flesh so sin makes Christians even more miserable. Even if our flesh enjoys the sin, we're still miserable. And so we have to go out, and how are we going to get rid of that misery? Well, I'll just do the sin again. And it becomes over and over and over and over again. Sin makes you miserable. Here's why sin makes you miserable. Because you know who your father is. You know who your father is. And you know that he's not a sinner. We know from whom we've come. Who we were created to be. We know that we are saints. We know that we're not sinners. John goes on to tell us how we can know the children of God, who the children of God are. In 1 John 3.10 it says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not a God, nor is he who does not love his brother. See, the children of God are those who practice righteousness, not because you have to. Not because you have to. Do you know how many Christians live, try to live righteous lives just because they think they have to? But because you were created with Jesus' righteous DNA. That you have the, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have been brought into union with that righteousness. Maybe that will be next week's word. 
You don't have to practice righteousness to become righteous because you are. People think that righteous doing, righteous actions will make them righteous. No. We have been made righteous. Now act like it. In first John. Now, of course, there's a lot that's involved in being a new creation. A lot more than just being freed from sin and understand our new nature in, in, in Christ. Just like, like there's a lot more to marriage than just not being single anymore. Right? Amen? Yeah. If you want to know, I, I, I could do a whole series just on that. Who you are in Christ. The new creation realities. I think I've done it before. We, we, we'd spend another ten weeks looking at that. But here is everything that is yours in new creation in one Scripture. Everything that's yours in this new creation, in, in this newness. And once again, we'll look at the John. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Do you want to know everything that is yours in this new creation reality? Look at Jesus. Because as He is, so are you right now in this world. See, we're not de defined by who we used to be, but we're defined by who Jesus is. So much for the idea that there's levels of Christianity. That, that you have to work our way up towards Christ-likeness. His supernatural life is not something you achieve. It's something that you receive. Christianity is Christ. Period. Christianity is Christ, period. It's not social justice. It's not, it's not rules and laws and Ten Commandments. It's not the, 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 the prophets and Moses. It's Christ. Now you can look at all those things through the lens of Christ, but that is not what Christianity is. Christianity is Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus is the God that we serve. Jesus is our God. All other gods are false. Even the false God of the religion of Christianity. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Nothing more and nothing less. Nothing less. Nothing less. You are defined through the unfiltered lens of Jesus. He is not our role model. Jesus is not your role model. He is your life. He is your life. He is, he is in you and He wants out. Jesus has a hand to play in this world. He has a hand to play in this world right now. And guess what? It's your hand. 
The cross is good. The cross is good. That's where we found out that we died. Right? That's good news. But you know what? The resurrection is better. Stop living at the cross. We've resurrected in Christ Jesus. The new has come. The reason we died with Him is so that we might live with Him. Not just in the hereafter, but here and now, today. The new creation is a venture of knowing and experiencing God. Do you know that? Do you know that that's what eternal life is? Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 9. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that you'll go to heaven one day. This is eternal life, that you'll start going to church. This is eternal life, that one day, one day you might make it. Have you ever, what is eternal life? Jesus tells us, and I never hear this, this as a definition of eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is this union, this marriage with God, this intimacy, this new life. We once were, were, you once were single, and now you're single no more. You once were a sinner, now you're a saint. You have been brought into union with Jesus. And God desires for you to cry out, Abba, Father. God desires for you to know Him intimately. God desires for you, His life to be lived through you. The new creation is dancing on the grave of self-centeredness and enjoying the abundant life in the Spirit. It's saying goodbye to the old life of sin and hello to righteousness. It's re re revealing His, Jesus' supernatural life with those we live with, that we work with, that we play with. It's a whole new life for a whole new kind of people. The Gospel is a joyful announcement that in Christ the old is gone and the new has come. And that's good news. That is good news. You know, in one word, you could say that's the Gospel. You are new. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You that we've been made new. We thank You that we've been set free. We thank You that for Holy Spirit, Hallelujah, Holy Spirit, Convicting us of our righteousness. Convicting us, us of our newness. The new creation realities in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we are built up. We are encouraged. We are strengthened through the word of your grace. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that we are free. That Satan is under our feet. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That we live seated with Christ in heavenly places. That we are secure in Christ. No one can pluck us from Your hand. Father, we thank You for the love that You have revealed to the world. And we thank You for the faith that You've given us to embrace it. Help us to continue to walk in the grace of God by faith, not of works. In Jesus' name. 
listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karis.com.